This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Today we have a special guest, award-winning author, Anne Giever. And I'm Mary Elkins. Anne was named Best New Author of the Undead Book Awards in 2019 and is the author of a series of three books, the first being Love in an Undead Age. The series is written in her favorite genre, post-apocalyptic and dystopian society stories. Welcome, Anne. Hello, thank you. Glad to have you. We know you are trained in theology with a Master of Divinity degree. Mm -hmm. So how did you get started on that path and how did you transition to being a writer? (laughs) Oh boy. Um, Well, I, um, I ended up going to seminary because I basically have always kind of grappled with the question. I mean, since I was a kid, like, are people basically good or basically bad? And like trying to get a framework to, to do that with. Um, I mean, I didn't you know, necessarily know that's what I was asking you know, when I was younger, but that is basically what it came down to. So, um, so anyway, so I went to seminary because, you know, I, I was like, wanted to figure out what my spiritual path was. And I wanted to I was, you know, kind of grappling with this question. Um, so, um, so you know, so I, I ended up like not getting ordained. I, I went to a Unitarian Universalist seminary, and it was definitely one of the best experiences of my life. You know, and um, you know, I I would absolutely do it again. I probably wouldn't go into such debt, but I would definitely do it again. <laughs> um, oh dear! But uh, it's all right. Uh, but. Um, but yeah, but you know, I, I realized that like uh, parish ministry wasn't for me, ordained ministry wasn't for me, and eventually I realized, well, that isn't even necessarily why I went to school. I mean, you know, I, I think I would have been a good minister if I had decided to pursue it, um, and it would have been really interesting. But ultimately, it just wasn't where my heart was. As far as transitioning to to writing, um, that didn't happen until a lot later. Um, you know, I went on to, you know, work a couple different, um, work a couple different positions. I um, moved back. I was, I went to school in California and Berkeley, and I had been living out in the Bay Area for about 10 years at that point. And um, I actually came back to my hometown of Pittsburgh, and uh, I went to work for um, this punk rock record label. I was coordinating all their, um, community and social justice outreach. And then, you know, I worked some different jobs. I got married. We moved back out to California. I was working at a university, you know, uh, and the university that's in the book, Santa Clara. And, uh-huh. um, and you know, I really, 
I didn't like the work I was doing. I liked where I was working, but I just didn't like the work I was doing. And, um, and I'd always wanted to write and I was always too chicken to do it. Um, I mean, I had written ever since I was a kid and as a, as an adult, I kind of transitioned more to, um, creative nonfiction and, you know, articles and things like that. But anyway, finally, I was just like, you know, I just have to try this and I don't have to write the great American novel. I don't, cause I, I put all this pressure on myself. Cause of course, you know, I can't just write a book. It has to be you know, <laughs> the great American novel. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. so I, I finally, you know, quit doing that. And my husband was like, yeah, do it. You know, whatever I can do, you know, he's, He's always been like my biggest supporter. So fabulous. Um, That's great. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I, I hear people talk about how like they don't have a supportive spouse and I just feel so sorry for them because it is just fantastic to have your, your spouse's support, um, mm -hmm. especially for, you know, something like this. So, um, so anyway, so that's how I got into it, but you know, um, you know, like the name of your podcast, you know, I, I didn't, start writing until I was almost 40 like get seriously start writing until that's wonderful in fact I might have been 40 yeah because we yeah. do talk about people starting a second act or a big third act or preparing mm -hmm. for a big third act or revamping your dreams as you go and stuff mm -hmm. that's great yeah like yeah. we've both done mm -hmm. absolutely by the way I'm also a writer and right. you you touched on this and I would love to write the great American novel, but I don't think I am. But um, you touched on this about writers writing and, and they all write for different reasons. So could you elaborate on why you do write? Um, you know, I am always making up stories in my head for things, you know, and I mean, I think everybody does that to a certain extent, but I just, um, I love the creativity of it. I mean, like when you get right down to it, I get to play make-believe for a living. That, that's what I do. I, yeah. I make these things up and I, um, and, you know, I decide, you know, what I want it to be like. And, you know, especially if you're writing futuristic sci-fi or, you know, near future sci-fi or, you know, something that is not reality based or fantasy or whatever. I mean, it can be whatever you want it to be. And like, that is a lot of fun. That's true. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's just fun. And I remember like I was about two chapters into the absolutely completely dreadful first draft of this first book oh god it was so terrible i'm laughing and, um, i mean they are but like this really was bad and uh, but i remember it, it suddenly hit me that like i could do whatever i wanted and i was like oh man this is so much fun mm. you know it's it, you know now you know obviously as you know, Mary, it's uh, not always fun. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of work involved and there are days when like you're trying to get your word count out and it's like pulling teeth. Like today, I have a daily word count goal of 3000 words. I wrote 268 words. I just, Sounds like me. That's about what I did today. I just, <laughs> I just couldn't do it. And finally I was like, well, you know what? You got into the manuscript. That's going to be your, your achievement for the day. You know, you could have just done nothing. Um, you know, so there, there are the slog days and I, I didn't get into writing for this, but a, a wonderful benefit of it is the community I found, you know, because I, I publish independently, you know, um, and, you know, I. Um, How come you do publish independently? 
Um, part of it is I didn't want to, well, there's a couple of reasons. I knew my book was good enough to publish and I didn't need external validation. Um, and I didn't want to spend years trying to find an agent who'd say yes, who would then try and find an agency who would say yes, who would then find someone who would finally say yes. And then in a year or 18 months from then have the book out, you know, I mean, if I was doing that, I could conceivably have nothing published. And, um, and, you know, and so that, um, and that just didn't appeal to me at all. You know, I wanted to do it. And, you know, it took me a long time to, to really make the plunge. I think the thing that really held me up was I didn't want to have to deal with the business side of it. But once I made that mental shift of, okay, if you want to do this, these are the things you have to do, then, um, then, you know, it was easy, but yeah, I, I didn't, um, I, I just didn't, I, I knew I could do it and I knew what I was writing was good enough. You know, like I, I have, I know people who, you know, the external validation, you know, from a publishing house is really important to them. And so they should go that way, you know, um, you know, or they, you know, they want to write literary fiction or whatever. I mean, everybody has so many different reasons. And, you know, so for me, it was just, I didn't want to wait and I knew it was good enough. And I figured I'm, uh, time's a wasting. Yeah. <laughs> what is your advice for people who want to publish independently? Is there special advice you'd give them? Um, I would tell them to get a Facebook account and join some of the Facebook groups on, um, there are a lot, and so that's the, that's the community I was talking about. You know, like I, I, I found, I, I kind of stumbled on it because I, I saw, I got a webinar about, you know, tips from a best-selling author, a romance author, and I don't write romance, but I was like, well, she's a U.S. Today and a New York Times bestseller. She must know something. So I, I went on to her webinar. Her name's Alessandra Tori, and like, she's just, that's such a nice person. And, um, and she has a group and I found out that like, there's all these groups on Facebook devoted to self-publishing and to writing and to authors. And I mean, I just never used Facebook, Facebook that way or thought about it. And so the, the first thing I would say is like, join some of these groups, um, because there is a lot to learn. And when you start, it's like you're looking, you're standing at the bottom of a cliff and you're looking up, <laughs> up, up. And I mean, because it's not a learning curve, it's a learning cliff. I mean, it just feels there's so many different things. Um, so I would say, you know, reach out and make those connections, which, you know, nowadays you can do quite easily. The other thing, as far as craft goes, I would say, you know, you absolutely positively must have a writing group and critique partner or a critique partner at the very least, because there are people who, you know, they write their book, no one looks at it, they publish it. And, you know, they could have done a lot better if they had had uh-huh. people who are helping them hone their craft. Like, yeah. I, I uh, yeah, my writing improved so much because of the writing group I joined. Oh, um, absolutely. Fantastic advice. Yeah. Yeah, and so. also, you love to write about post-apocalyptic and dystopian societies. And we have to ask, what is your favorite zombie book or movie? And what also is the fascination with this genre and with zombies? Okay, well, uh, favorite zombie movie is George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, you know, the original 1968. Oh. Um, 1968. You know, it's, uh, it's just, it's a, it's a class. It invented the modern zombie genre. It's just a classic. He 
shot it an hour and a half from here. Um, and, uh, but, you know, it's, it's just a fantastic film. Um, you know, it holds up, you know, it's, you know, 1968, it's 53 years later and it's still a good movie. Um, is that the, the inspiration for your writing zombie books? Well, that's not the, well, this is why I ended up writing zombie books. And it's not that I didn't like zombies, but when I first decided to write, I was so intimidated by the idea that I thought, you know, cause I was like great American novel had been my, 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 my litmus test or touchstone for so many years that I thought to myself, you know what? I'll write one of those chick lit books. They're not hard. I mean, the arrogance, <laughs> the arrogance, but I thought, okay, I'll, I'll write one of these books. You know, I can do that. So, um, and I, but I don't read chick lit. I mean, I've read maybe seven and I've enjoyed the ones I've read and I've read them because either a friend gave it to me or I forgot my book and needed something at the airport. I mean, those, yeah. you know, or it was in the, the rental house at the beach. So <laughs> consequently my ideas sucked. They were terrible. I mean, they were just lame and boring and not interesting to me. And so I would tell my husband and he'd tell me how bad my idea was, you know, he'd be like, yeah, that's pretty terrible. <laughs> and um, so finally we're driving home from work one night and, uh, and, uh, and I'm telling him my latest bad idea. And he's like, yeah, that's pretty bad. And I was like, too bad it can't have zombies in it. And we just kind of looked at each other and we were like, that's what I should do. So, so that's why zombies, it's not that zombies are the only thing I'm interested in writing about, but that's why I started with zombies, you know, and what I like about post-apocalyptic fiction, whether it's zombies or, you know, some other uh, flavor of, of post-apocalyptic is I like the, um, well, first off books, these books are generally not about the event, you know, like a zombie book, the vast majority of zombie books are not about the zombies. You know, the zombies are, are, are there, they are the obstacle, they are the instigating, uh, inciting incident, but the books are about the people and the survivors and the people who are trying to live and carve out a, a place for themselves. And that's what post-apocalyptic fiction uh, is appealing about post apocalyptic fiction it's also you know it's just so completely escapist and you know you know you think the world's bad well read about zombies for a while and you you get a little perspective you know or um yeah. but yeah but but like that's what i like about post-apocalyptic fiction is that it's it, it's just it's an exercise in human nature and it gets back to that question of are people good or are people bad? I've I've settled on people or people, <laughs> and they have a very wide range of of good and bad in them at any given time. And so much is just dependent on you know the environment and where you're at and who you're with and all that kind of stuff. But it really those stark um, landscapes and those stark settings really do give you extremes to play with and really give you a lot of room in terms of how much you can push your characters and what you can, you know, and see what they do. 
Yeah, I love dystopian fiction. And your book now is my first zombie book that I'm reading. So I'm really enjoying the first one of your series. Love is oh, in, good. Love in the undead world. Or yeah. love, love, undead age. An undead Sorry. age, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I've actually had several people who have read it um, who don't read zombie books. And they're like, I've never, I've never read a zombie book, but I really like this. In fact, my aunt who... Um, who is in her eighties and is a, she's, she's retired now. She's, but she's a nun. And she thought, oh, well, I'll read a page of this just to, you know, be supportive. She ended up reading the whole book and uh, she really liked it. In fact, she's read the whole series, but like when I heard she was, when I heard Aunt Eleanor was reading my book, I was like, the first thing I thought was, oh my God, it has sex. You yeah, know? I know. <laughs> it has a lot of sex. <laughs> oh, I, I've got to read it now. <laughs> yeah, I was like simultaneously pleased and horrified. But, you know, I got over it. I was like, oh, Annie, she's a grown woman. And uh, she actually thought that was really hilarious. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so, you know, my little old aunt from Ireland, you know, has read, you know, zombie books. So, you know, it's, it's, it's. Um, so you're opening up the zombie world to a new, new a class of readers <laughs> used to reading, yeah. used to reading heavier literature or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. make no claims to be anything but fun um, with my stuff, but. It is yeah. fun. So. Yeah. Um, do you have like universal themes that you follow in your books? And if so, like, what are they like love and loss, betrayal, redemption? And why does this particular theme or those themes resonate with you? Um, I do. Um, I, I do. You know, well, I mean, as far as love, I mean, you need something to live for, especially in a post-apocalyptic world. And, you know, it, love is the thing that that makes love or the lack of it, to quote Mr. Rogers, um, yeah. Yeah. are why people are the way they are and, and, and why the world is the way it is. And, um, and uh, so, you know, so, so, you know, that's, it. you know, fundamentally every great story is a love story, not a romance, but, you know, a love story. And it doesn't have to be about a partner. It could be about lots of things, you know, um, there are movies I consider love stories that other people wouldn't, but, you know, oh, uh, like, like what? A History of Violence. Um, really? Is one, of my favorite, is one of my favorites because at the very, 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 very end of that film, the, there's the last scene. Um, and I don't want to say more than that because. Um, yeah, I, I haven't away. watched that, but I'm going to but, now the very end of the very last scene, my, cause my husband had told me, he said, Oh, this is a love story. when we sat down to watch it and I was like, Pfft. and then we, we <laughs> got, to, got to the very end and I was like, Holy, it's a love story. <laughs> um, you know, but um, so yeah, so like, you know, love is just, you know, obviously a pretty awesome thing to play around with. And then, you know, I do, I am interested in like, um redemption and people trying to um do the right thing redeem themselves and you know also um you know you don't write about perfect people who always do the right thing that's really bad fiction you know you need characters who have flaws um who have some kind of struggle that to overcome and um 
and, and you know, and, and so you, if you need something where, where they're going to be rubbing up against something and, and, and things aren't going to be working so that you can, you know, make a story interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I do find, you know, finding your place um, to be a theme that resonates with me because, you know, we all, as we go through life, are trying to figure out where we fit in. Um, and, um, and, you know, and I do, every, and, and, yeah, and, and like redemption and loss and betrayal. I mean, everybody's had those things, whether they're, they've been big things that really shape the course of your life or, you know, they're not so much so, but everybody's felt betrayed and everybody has had a, some kind of loss and everybody has experienced um, something that is really healing or, you know, really um, cathartic. Um, so, you know, so I, I, yeah, they're kind of big themes. You wouldn't expect them in a, in a lot of books, but, the, but they tend to be, you know, in so many, so many, um, so many genres. So. Yeah. Uh, in your book, I'm at the part of uh, no spoilers, but um, the reveal of the betrayal is a big mm. thing is a big thing it's it's just huge thing so that's really important i wanted to ask you who is your favorite writer and what are you reading now uh margaret atwood is my favorite oh, writer oh, love um, her she's just absolutely my hands down favorite and um right now i am reading a book called gravity's curse it's the second in um a series by an author called V.R. Friesen. Her first, the first book is Gravity Girl. And I actually just stumbled onto her book because we were chatting online and she, you know, she's a science fiction writer and like, it's really good. Um, mm. I've gotten kind of choosy about, you know, reading <laughs> um, as I got to be a better writer. There were- Can you repeat her, uh, her name? <laughs> uh, V R Friesen. It's F R I E S E N. F R I E Z S E N. Yeah, yeah, and um, and uh, you know, so it, so it's a super interesting premise in her book, you know, because like she's, you know, it's a world where you know there's a a particular place where gravity doesn't work the way it should, and it's re obviously really messed things up, and um. Mm. And, you know, and this community is kind of isolated. And uh, so like right off the bat, like cool world can like do so much with it, you know, and then. And so she's done a series also. Yeah, she's got a three book series. So I'm reading the second book. Oh, and you asked me my favorite zombie author. Um, my favorite yeah. zombie author is um, Sarah Lyons Fleming. She is, um, she also writes zombies with love and romance. Um, and uh, she, um, yeah, I just stumbled onto her book in um, on Amazon years ago, and you know, I've I've actually gotten to know her and consider. So her has she book. read your series? She has. She was really awesome. She read one of the early crappy drafts. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I asked her, I like, well, would you consider doing this? Because I've actually emailed her to ask her, like. It's like, I don't want to bother you, but when's the next book coming out? Because it had been really? a while. I was waiting for this book in her series. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. So she's she's fantastic. And she she just writes, her books are just awesome. They're, they're really, really interesting and fun. And um, they just really suck you right in. Um, how, do, how do you approach these people who maybe you've met online or maybe you've never met? How would a writer approach them? 
to review your books or help oh, you well, read it? Well, 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 with Sarah, she actually did offer. I was hoping she would, and we'd been emailing a little bit back and forth, and she did offer. Um, but then there's other people like I've just, you know, become friends with um, online and, you know, whose stuff I like and, um, you know, and, you know, just ask them, you know, will you take a look? Will you tell me what you think? Um, and, you know, because obviously, you know, you get that, you do that first horrible draft and then you do a rewrite or two and then you need people to look at it um, and tell you if you're off track or whatnot. Um, so like I have gotten in touch with people by like emailing them, by getting to know them in, in, you know, um, online forums like Facebook and, and, um, Instagram and whatnot. And, um, I mean, that's basically what I've done. And, you know, it's, it's funny because when you're not, um, when you're still like waiting to take the plunge or you haven't quite gotten there, it's so intimidating to think of talking to someone who is a real writer. <laughs> and, um, and then you find out that like, and then you find out that like the people who respond are like totally awesome. You know, they're just regular people. Like when I get an email from from someone who's read my book, it's totally cool. You know, I, I yeah. just, it's like, yeah, that's that you're emailing me. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so people really, now Stephen King, I couldn't manage that. I don't know how you get all this stuff <laughs> like on his level, but you know, um, on a more uh, down to earth level, it's generally- Did you ever get to meet <laughs> Margaret Atwood? Your idol. No, I have never, I have never met oh. her. Oh, well, no, there's a trip love. to Canada is in the offing. I don't think. It should oh be man, so yeah, she, I don't think just... it should be so hard because she's been so involved with the production of Handmaid's Tale and all that. She's yeah, working. she's she working. is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she must be like just. Uh, yeah, it's just so super. Yeah, cool. you know, I I feel like the world is filled with zombies right now, and I was wondering. <laughs> I mean, everything we I think we all write about are zombies in a different form. But mm -hmm. but um, how do you? And you may have already spoken to this a bit, but how do you find the inspirations for your stories and? for your characters? Um, usually it just starts with a question. Um, you know, uh, how would I deal with this? You know, um, it was in the last 10 years where there was like this big movement around, you know, the world's going to end and, and oh, people yeah. were, you know, getting ready for the rapture and whatnot. And my brother came across this website and it was like a legit real going concern where these people were like, look, we're not saved, but we'll take care of your pets for you, oh. you know? And, um, and like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, subscribe to our service. And when the rapture comes, cause it was like considered, and, and yeah, it was probably very, I mean, it was very real good money raiser. <laughs> yeah. It was very tongue in cheek, you know, but, um, you know, but like, and we all just thought it was like hilarious, you know, but I, you know, but okay. But what would happen to your pets? Like, you know, if that happened and like, I was thinking about um, this one thing and I thought, yeah, well, who would take care of my pets? You know, what would I do? What, what would I do? Would I even be able to do that thing? You know, if I had to leave them. And so like, that was a question and, you know, um, 
you know, or just like, you know, if you're like my mother, um, you know, she, she's passed on, but she was also a writer and she loved mysteries. And she wrote this, this mystery set in a Catholic, her main character was a nun. And she, um, my mother used to work for this, this, this Catholic cemetery. And she said she was walking in the back door to get to her office the one day. And there was this one room, it was kind of dark and long hallway and creepy. And she thought to herself, oh, what if you found a body in there? And that's where she started. And that's what got her, you know, to write that story. So I I usually find it it happens with a story, you know, um, or a question. I mean, you know, some kind of question, something you're curious about. What question did you ask about your current series? Honestly, I I, I don't think the question was about the characters as much as just could I write it, Um, at least starting off. um, and uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess it was it wasn't so much of a particular question as much of just you know the whole are people good and bad and how does that how does that influence mm-hmm. people's um, choices and how does their actually how does their lived experience inform a person's choice because. Yeah. There are a lot of things where you think you know what you're going to do, and then you're presented with some a situation, and you sometimes end up doing very different things. And you know, um, one of the things I wanted to have happen in my book is because you know there are some questionable things that that the main character Miranda has done. Mm-hmm. Um, and would she have done them if she didn't live through the zombie apocalypse? No way. She would mm. never have done them. But and she wouldn't be such a temper. She's so hot tempered. Yeah, she's, she's on edge hot-tempered. all the time. She could yeah. use some meditation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> very good. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. You, you know, and you have the lived experience and it's just like, well, this happens and you learn something from it. And then you make your choices based with that perception and, and it can really really change who you are. And you talk about in your books a lot about the choices that we make to survive and Mm -hmm. what those choices cost us. So can you speak a little more about that? And and did something in your life bring you to want to say more about that theme? Um I don't know if there's anything particular to my life per se in terms of like a big decision I made that, you know, felt like it had this earth shattering consequence. Um, but, you know, but the older you, I, I've gotten the more, you know, I can see, you know, like, well, I decided to do this and that led me here, you know? Um, and, um, and, and I had no way of predicting that at the time. And in retrospect, you know, I, I probably, uh, I, I wouldn't have, there, there'd be no way to, to predict that, but it just, um, but in retrospect, like where I started and then where I went, you know, it ended up um, it ended up seeming pretty obvious in retrospect. Everything we do that ends up having some kind of big impact on our life, it um, it does cost you something, and it might it might be worth the cost, but things aren't mm-hmm. always worth it. You know, I mean, ask anybody who. Um, who has had just like a really a dreadful relationship or whatnot, you know, and you look back and you're like, Oh man, why did I stick around with that for so long? You know, but you were, you were stuck in it and hopefully you're so in it. You can't see 
beyond the beyond the the, the beyond where you are um you know and that has some costs you know you might have spent you know a couple years with that person that in retrospect you're kind of sorry you did or you know just anything a job you know you, you take a job and and it may you may you know have uh it may put strain on some aspects of your life and it might be worth it you know it, it, it's it just it's so dependent on on you know what you want to do with your life you know writ large you know and um and, and what you want to look back on, which is, you know, impossible to predict. It's kind of a ridiculous <laughs> yeah. thing to say, but. Uh -huh. That really resonates with me because it makes me think about what I'm writing about. And um, it's, it's all very, very true. Um, talking about your books, though, you have a series out in, of three, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Love in an Undead Age damage in an undead age and reckoning in an undead age yeah. and i have a few questions about that um first is are you going to add to those you kind of intimated you might be or are you starting a new series and then um you spoke about this a little too like how did your protagonist arise in your mind and how she evolved throughout the series and then also, I want to tell our audience that if you're going to say anything that might be a spoiler, that they should plug their ears. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'll try. I'll try not to. Um, but if I, uh, I'll preface anything if if I do end up doing that. Well, I'm right. I am writing another um, series. It's in the with zombies. It's in the same universe as uh, the current series. Um, you know, it's the same world, it's the same zombie apocalypse, but it's a different set of characters and it's a different time. Um, the, the, the series I'm writing now is set, it's going to be at the very beginning as the, as the zombie apocalypse is happening. Whereas the book, the, the first series, I set it 10 years after the zombie ah. apocalypse. Um, so, um, so that is different. And I'm terrible. I've, I've lost. Uh, well, and talking about your protagonist, is it the same oh, protagonist or a different no, protagonist? Completely okay. different cast of characters. Um, you know, so it, it'll be different people, which is, you know, which is more, and in some ways it's more interesting for me because, you know, I feel like I did a lot with, with the characters in the undead age and, um, and, and I feel like I got them to where I wanted them to be. Um, by the end of the series. And so anything else would just be kind of gratuitous. Um, and as for the protagonist, like how did I come up with her? I wanted, you know, I, in some ways when I wrote the book, I wasn't trying to do anything original, you know, because this whole idea of having to write the great thing and having to have it be, the, you know, that's just, that was too much pressure for me. And that kept me from writing. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to write your standard zombie book. I'm not going to try and come up with anything unique and this, that. Now I have heard from lots of people that they think there are things about my series that are very unique, which is, you know, gratifying. Um, and I may, I, I knew that some of the things I was doing were a little different, um, but, you know, so, so, you know, it's just like, well, what could be, you know, more stereotypical than a hot headed, impulsive, 
good hearted, but, you know, doesn't necessarily always make the best choices character, you know? And, and so that's why I chose that kind of character. Cause I was, cause I wasn't trying to be original. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. And one of the reviews of love in an undead age said that, and I quote, authors love breaking rules, but I haven't read a zombie book that has broken this many of them. What rules do you think you broke? Uh, um, I started it after the zombie apocalypse. There are some authors who have written books later, you know, set in the world later after, but, you know, it didn't happen. This book is 10 years later. Um, you know, and just, I mean, some of the stuff he was talking about, cause, cause I, I know that, that, um, reviewer, um, he's said such kind things about my book. It's really, <laughs> I, I've always looked for his reviews. It's like, what is he going <laughs> to say? Um, but, uh, you know, like I didn't have them go to a Walmart. I mean, there, there were certain things that like you do in the, in the stereotypical, the, the 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 zompok is happening around us you know that i didn't do because it wasn't relevant to my book so you know i didn't have them like bugging out to a more safe location i didn't have them you know having to go into stores i didn't you know and like scrounge things i didn't have them having to figure out what zombies are um you know so um you know just the setup made it it a little different you know yeah, you've and, got and some that, very scholarly people in this book that are very erudite and learned people and they're coping on a different level than what you're talking about scrounging in a walmart you know right and they were at the beginning you know doing all that stuff but you know um but later on you know it's they've been lucky enough to be in a position where you know they have been able to kind of carve out this 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 safe haven and so then they can get on to the, to the less basic things of survival. You know, I mean, they still have to do them, but it's a little, it's a little different in terms of emphasis and, and scope. So, you know, and then, I mean, some of it was just, you know, um, so I decided to set the series in San Jose where I was living, we were living at the time. And, um, and, you know, it's like, okay, well, if we're going to have bad guys be this, you know, this ruling council, you know, I need a counterweight, you know, who's going to be the good guys. Well, it was like completely obvious that it would be the Jesuits of Santa Clara University because, you know, they would do that, you know, the, with, you know, liberation theology and the preferential option for the poor and, you know, just all the kind of work that, um, that, that, you know, most Catholic orders and, and certainly Jesuits in particular, um, you know, do is, is around, you know, uh, helping to uplift the, those who are, are downtrodden. And, um, you know, so, and so that was just because, you know, what's here in San Jose? Oh, well, the, the people at this university I work at are here. They, they would be, you know, on the side mm-hmm. of good. Um, you know, so, so it's kind of funny because like some things you just don't even, it's funny because like I didn't find think that I was writing about religious themes per se in my book but people have mentioned that and I'm just like oh huh yeah I I guess yeah I guess they're right but I mean that was not something that was I was consciously thinking about I was just looking at like well what's what's around and what can I make to to 
that would be interesting. So, you know, so sometimes you don't know what you're writing about. Like th that same reviewer, he, um, he wrote a review for the last book and, you know, and he said, you know, basically at the end of book two, it's things are devastated. And, you know, he basically said, you know, this third book is about, you know, forgiveness and uh, redemption and I mean, but the way he put it, I was like, wow. He's absolutely right. And I didn't know that. I mean, I, 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 I was just reading that his review and I was just like, wow, I didn't realize that's what it was about, but that's what it was about, you know? So it's good. Yeah. It's kind of funny. It's kind of like, okay, Have it I, revealed to I love that. <laughs> yeah. And, and we should tell our readers, listeners, not readers. She has readers. We have listeners. <laughs> Anne, has, Anne has a website, which is amgiver.com. And that's G-E-E-V-E-R. I'll start over. Amgiver.com. And she is also on Instagram and Facebook and has audiobook samples on YouTube. And any other ways you would like our listeners to find you, Anne? Um, nope, those are the best ways. Those are definitely the best ways. And, and, you know, I've been a little bad the last couple of weeks, but, you know, I'm generally, you know, on Instagram, especially, you know, just, you know, posting about whatever. And I, and I really love hearing from people and finding out what they're up to. Oh, good. And, and where are the best places to find your books? I, I, I ordered one from Amazon, but are there other places? Um, well, uh, you can get my books at any online retailer. Um, is obviously Amazon is like the big one, um, but you know they're also at Apple Books. You can get them on Kobo, um, oh, Barnes and Noble. Um, you know, and then they're just, they're they're done. I, I, the distributor also does them to different you know um, foreign markets, but Amazon is the big one. I mean, you definitely find it on Amazon and. Um, you know, and then for the the Mac people, um, Apple Books is is also a good, yeah, an easy well, place to find. Thank you for being with us today, and you've certainly given me a lot of, I'll be very trite, food to think about or thought <laughs> to think about, <laughs> food for thought. That's the word. Um, and our listeners will definitely look forward to reading your books, as I will. Well, I hope you like it. I will. Thanks. And we want to remind our listeners to visit our website, lateboomers.biz, B-I-Z, and drop us a line to tell us how you are listening to our podcasts and what you're enjoying. You can also DM us on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and on our Late Boomers Instagram page. We want to serve, inspire, and entertain you. Thanks a lot again, Anne. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here 
and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.